and welcome to Climate Cheesecake. I'm Tien, and I'm a sustainability professional and also a science communicator behind the Instagram account The Weird and Wild, where I use visuals to make climate information accessible. Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a positive review on your platform of choice. So to set some context, our title for today's episode is um, What Have We Achieved? And from what I know, Aichi is a Japanese prefecture. And I remember when we saw this title, I was like, are we going to, who's going to Japan? Why are we talking about Aichi? So today I'm sitting down with two of my biodiversity friends and co-hosts, Sankar and Movin. And I'm going to pose this question, which is, why are we bothering about Aichi and what is it? Yeah, so the Aichi biodiversity targets are 20 targets that were set up in 2010, right? So in 2010 bunch of countries, 196 countries came together and they said, by 2020, we will achieve the following five strategic goals. We want to address the underlying causes of biodiversity loss by mainstreaming biodiversity across government and society. We want to reduce the direct pressures on biodiversity and promote sustainable use. We want to improve the status of biodiversity by safeguarding ecosystems, species, and genetic diversity. We're going to enhance the benefits to all from biodiversity and ecosystem services. And finally, we're going to enhance the implementation through participatory planning, knowledge management, and capacity building. So it sounds like a lot of like very fancy words. Yeah. Right? Uh, but essentially, it's just a bunch of countries coming together to put out 20 goals, sub-goals, that actually say, we're going to protect biodiversity by the year 2020. By the time 2020 rolled around, uh, you know, the world had a lot more important things on their plate. Okay. Yeah. And 2020 is important because I remember reading that when this Aichi Biodiversity Targets came out, that was what, 2010? And 2010. Then they would do like a 10-year check-in and see where we are at, at 2020. It was tailored to be a 10-year goal. So okay. they're saying at the end of 10 years, we're going to achieve all of these goals. We need every single country to achieve all of these goals. And in 2020, um, none of the goals were achieved okay. si significantly by the, the world. So we have achieved nothing. Yes, basically. And and I mean, that's okay. I is it okay? No, it's not okay. But it is, it is, uh, it is at least good that we're recognizing that. So uh, post twenty twenty, right? Uh, there is a general movement towards uh, what what next, right? What comes after twenty twenty? What comes after the IG targets? So I mean, now that you talk about what's next, for me as a climate person, honestly, I've never heard about the I mean I've heard about the Convention of Biological Diversity but I didn't think very much of it until I heard the term COP15 that kept coming up in like you know during the pandemic everyone was talking about oh COP15 is it going to happen this year is it not going to happen uh, this year because of COVID mm. and that was supposed to be held so COP15 essentially is the Conference on Parties the 15th edition of the Conference on Parties for the Convention on Biological Diversity I always get it confused with COP27, which is for the Convention on Climate Change. But this is the biodiversity equivalent. So that's what I understand. Yes. And this year is essentially the two-year delay. And instead of happening in China, it will be in Canada, in Montreal. Montreal, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. it was initially supposed to be in Kunming, China in 2020 uh, as like a review of this these IG targets. Yeah. Um, 
So that's why it's a big deal, lah, I guess. It, it really is because uh, moving forward, uh, how we are going to transition into a, you know, a theoretically zero carbon world by 2050, how we are also going to integrate, you know, uh, living alongside biodiversity, uh, that's, that's, that's really important. So for that reason, Montreal is like a really big one to watch. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And in that sense, so let's say there are all these IG targets that I guess countries sign up to or commit to and then you have the NBSAP which operationalizes these targets it's yeah it's really how each country uh, says okay uh, this year this is or at least for the next few years this is how we are going to approach these goals these are the steps we're going to take uh, in order to achieve these goals right okay so uh, Movin Movin mentioned something about the NBSAPs in uh, in 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 their last episode as well. So so Movin, do you want to share a little bit more about how that oper- operationalization can look like? Okay, so basically the idea here is that um, NBSEPs are just sort of like each country's roadmaps to achieving achieve targets, right? So basically, different countries have different contexts, and because of that, uh, we need to do different things to sort of hit these goals. For example, Singapore's uh, NBSAP looks radically different from, say, like a country like Indonesia, mm. which is much bigger, much more biodiversity rich, much more uh, natural habitats in place. And I guess um, th- an interesting thing would also be like, you know, has a much greater sense of like having indigenous people as well, right? So that that does change like the regulation and the management of these things. Singapore, for instance, doesn't really use uh, biodiversity as a resource per se, whereas many other countries in the region do. And so that just changes the way that we would think about our NBCEPs as well. We don't really have a clause or any section to talk about how we want to govern the utilization of biodiversity for economic purposes. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah. do these things really matter and I mean you know you can read all these things then this government says they want to do blah 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 and then that government wants to do xyz like how does it even change things on the ground mm, okay so that's that's interesting so like for instance like um in Singapore for instance one of the goals that they wanted to do is sort, sort of like keep track of you know like the status of all of their biodiversity so one of the specific goals was having an updated red data book um, the red data book is basically it tells us the conservation the local conservation status of uh, all of our species Ooh. whether like how threatened they are basically and that's something that they recently completed la, the assessments for I mean and it should be coming out um, sometime this year or maybe next year the full thing some of the the, the taxa groups so like I think for birds has been released for freshwater um, decapods has been released already like crabs and shrimp has been released already but um, but of course, like so that that's one of the goals that they wanted to hit la. Of course in Singapore we have less species, so it's easier to assess everything mm. than say like Indonesia, which is like so many more. That would be truly an enviable task. La. Mm. Uh whereas say in Indonesia there are they're gonna need to like look at like indigenous management of areas as well, um, and things like land use um by indigenous people and also like um who does the land belong to? Who yeah. does the the biodiversity rich land like sort of belong to? Yeah. Um. And different countries have different processes for this. Yeah. And so that's that that's that's something that would, you know, like it would look different like, between these two countries at least. Yeah. But I remember reading also that NBSEPs are essentially voluntary targets. They're non-compulsory. Yes. Then do these things make a difference on the ground to say like if Indonesia sets something, does it result in? I mean, we talk about the channeling of resources. Um. 
do these things set priorities for the country? It's very difficult because like, I mean, how to say like, I think in biodiversity conservation, even with like, you know, like even meeting our like carbon goals, right? A lot of it is dependent so much on like these softer, like less tangible things. Like things like, um, what is the nature of that particular government at the time? Are they very, I mean, like, so it, it really depends. Like, sometimes it's not just about that country's government, but also about, like, who is in that government at the time, right? Mm. So sometimes you have, like, a couple of people who push for certain things much more uh, strongly than their predecessors did, right? So that changes things quite significantly. Okay. Yeah. So it's difficult because a lot of these targets are optional, right? We want to meet them, so we write them down. So then it becomes a case of, like, who um, are the people in power, and do they really want to like actually like commit to these things rather than mm. just like putting it down to paper and just ignoring it afterwards? Okay. In yes. many cases, I think there definitely is a sense of like, yeah, we want to do, we want to, you know, like follow through. But how to say, I mean, this is going to sound a bit like a cop out, la, haha, cop. But, cop. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's easier to hit Singapore's targets, say, than say for Indonesia to hit its targets. Mm. I'm just using Indonesia as an example, not because of anything against Indonesia, but it's more like, you know, Indonesia is a big country. It is as different from Singapore as we could think of in the region. It's a huge archipelago. Singapore is basically one main island, right? Mm. Um, it's very decentralized. A lot of very precious biodiversity. Not that Singapore's Lots of biodiversity. Yeah, people there as yeah well, a lot right? of indigenous people. Not that Singapore's biodiversity is not precious, like it is, like, but there's just a lot of biodiversity in Indonesia. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of things to manage. There are a lot of moving parts there um, that maybe Singapore would not have to contend with. Like. So, in that sense, um, operationalizing something like this in Indonesia would be much more complex and difficult and require more commitment in terms of resources as well as time mm. and bandwidth. Uh, which not all um, someone in the same position in Singapore would not have to contend with. Huh? Mm, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, with Dover Forest East also being slated to be cut down, I guess, mm. this by, I mean, this year we blocked off already. There was already so much uproar on what we're losing. I can't imagine what that looks like for the rest of the region, which yeah. are way richer in biodiversity. Exactly. I mean, I think it's it's... Yeah. Also a bit different in the sense that like in, in terms of Singapore, we have achieved a standard of living where we can start thinking about these other things as well. Mm. Whereas in many parts of Indonesia, more rural parts of Indonesia, like, you know, like people are more concerned about like, can I have clean water? Can I have like conditions that are conducive to to, to living and being comfortable rather than like, oh, actually I like this bird very much. So, I mean, a lot of it is also about making certain biodiversity things profitable which is where you know you get into the whole like using your biodiversity resources in a sustainable way mm. so it could either be like you know like fisheries or it could even forestry. be ecotour yeah yeah you know agroforestry yeah, yeah. it could be ecotourism things like that which is not something that we really think about here because in singapore we are so comfortable in 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 many ways already right so we don't have to think about like um how do we make use of this biodiversity so that people so it incentivizes the like you know biodiversity protection and allows people to see value in biodiversity. Yeah. Which is a different story, you know, elsewhere in the region. It, it's also really reflected in how Singapore plans its NBSAP. So our current NBSAP, which was last updated in 2019, right? Uh, the way that uh, Aichi biodiversity target number one, which is to increase awareness about um, 
biodiversity in national and policy planning. Uh, one of the one of their key like metrics of success is by twenty twenty there'll be a thirty percent increase in the number of public and private organisations that participate in biodiversity conservation activities. And by 2020, Singapore will achieve a 5% increase in the total number of citizen scientists. So like, yeah, so these are the ways in which a country, Singapore is an example, a country commits towards uh, achieving the various, you know, biodiversity goals in a sense. Yeah, but it's also kind of funny because you're like, Singapore, check your privilege. Because like, <laughs> yeah. Like, 5%, like, 5% more of- citizen scientists, really, for it- real. Like, like I mean, like, we're at this point now, right? Like, these are things that Singapore is concerned with. Like, can you imagine regionally, like, people being like, we want 5% more citizen scientists. No, we just want 5% more citizens to know about, like, <laughs> like, the value of these things. Like, just... Yeah, you know, it's it's like, and, and not talking down to anyone. It's just that like Singapore is really in a position of privilege here. Like, mm. in one sense, we're really small. We couldn't possibly host that much biodiversity. On the other hand, we've lost most of it. Yeah, most of our historic biodiversity has been lost already. So like, actually, there's a lot less to protect now. Our bar is much lower. Ooh. And and sometimes the the goals can be as broad as. For Aichi biodiversity target too, apply science and ecological principles into land use planning. That's the goal. That's the entire goal. So that means if I study it, I've applied it. There's no way of actually... I mean, unfortunately, mm. there's no actual way of knowing whether there is there is like any kind of follow-through on that. And yeah, in, I mean, in Singapore's case, yeah, okay, theoretically, there's your ecological profiling exercise. There's your uh, various engagement sessions that, that, you know, get all sorts of experts to come in to... to to, to uh, input on land use planning and, and everything. And to Singapore's credit, it's doing that really well. It is doing, yeah, that, really doing well. that really well. But yeah. that is, I think, in no small part because Singapore is so small and so centralised yeah. as a government that making these steps towards, taking these steps towards achieving the goals become and, that much And also easier. because you have a population that is interested and educated and aware enough to like, and has time, right? <laughs> yeah. To go about doing these things. Yeah. So like, I mean, it, it's a bit of both. And I think... Mm. Uh, is Singapore the pinnacle for all of it? No lah, of course not. Mm. I mean, there's always ways to grow mm. and, and get better. But like, it's just that Singapore is quite atypical when we think about these things lah. Like, most countries are not this small. Most countries have a lot more to lose. And and that, I think, speaks to why like the world wasn't really able to achieve achieve the Aichi targets in 2020 as well, right? Um, the fact is, nobody is holding anyone accountable to these uh commitments that are being made all the way back in 2010. Sometimes the people who make the commitments in 2010, they move on to other portfolios and then it's no longer a priority. It may no longer be a national priority. Right. Oh, not even a government anymore then, what, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. If your entire government changes in between, then what's the, <laughs> what's going to, like, you know, what's the point of following through on a promise that someone else made on your behalf? Um, there's, there's a lot of, like, weird geopolitical um complexity that comes into play when we're trying to achieve these targets. Uh, so that's why for the next 10 years, right, what seems to be the focus uh, and what they're calling it is the... Uh, is on. it the new biodiversity framework? That- the global biodiversity, a new global biodiversity framework of targets. So this is uh, for the coming decade until 2030. Uh, and it's ultimately trying to lead towards the UN 2050 goal, which is living in harmony with nature, which makes me cringe a little bit, but okay lah. I mean, it's nice thought. It's nice thought, yeah. It's, it's, but I feel like it was <laughs> probably devised by some 60-year-old. <laughs> 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 but fine, okay, yeah. Living in harmony with nature. But 
you know, when we are the 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 focus of the updated biological by the global biodiversity framework seems to be coming down to the individual level, you know, where it does not rely on the persistence of a particular government or even a particular country, uh, but rather on a collective action uh, from 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 many many people. And I think it's also like we always talk about like breaking down silos, right? Mm. Yeah. And you know, like you know, it's like not one domain, not one 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 specialty that's going to save the world. But like in in a sense, now we're breaking down the silos of countries, right? Mm. We're thinking about a global thing rather than a national thing, and I think that's kind of an important thing to 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 note. Biodiversity doesn't respect national boundaries; no. it yeah. crosses over. Um, Isn't it my bird migratory? Yeah, I mean, season like now? yeah, it's 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 migration season now. The flyways are booming. So, like, I mean, like for those of you who are not aware. Um, like birds right now migrate all the way from the north to the south. So birds are migrating from Russia all the way to New Zealand right now, many shorebirds especially. But I mean, also like uh, flycatchers and small like um, other small birds as well. So it's 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 happening, it's in full swing and we're getting a whole bunch of migrants in, in Singapore right now. Mm. Very cool. So right now they are drafting the new framework or rather I think they've already drafted the framework and I think the draft goals at least the latest one that I, I'm able to see is assuring no net loss by 2030 in the area and integrity of ecosystems, reducing the percentage of species threatened with extinction and increasing the abundance of species, enhancing or maintaining genetic diversity, securing and expanding the benefits nature provides to people, and increasing the benefits that are shared equitably from the use of genetic resources and associated <laughs> traditional knowledge. So it, it almost echoes what we already had in the IG targets. This kind of sounds just like the five strategic goals that already were there. Mm. But they tightened it and they made it more... Science-based. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, uh, you know, respecting the fact that a lot of this biodiversity is held on like indigenous land, for example. Yeah, and it also yeah. sounds like we're working on the premise that we've already lost a lot of it. So yes, 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 left. yes. I mean, like there was those studies, right? That showed we lost like 70% of animals. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a bit of a shifting of a goalpost where we've, we, we, we have failed this. So let's, let's change the goal a little bit so that it becomes a bit more Achievable. 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 Okay. 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 Yeah. Montrealable. So, Montrealable. So, yeah, a lot, a lot to look out for in December. Yeah. And hopefully this episode gives you a good taster mm. of how to make sense of the news that's going to come out in December and I guess the next 10 years to come on Biodiversity. Jing, jing, jing. Climate Cheesecake is brought to you by the Cheesecake Collective and powered by Artwave Studio. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Climate Cheesecake. Additional links and references can be found on our website, artwave.studio slash climate cheesecake. <laughs>